It's great, great to be with you. Um, this word that I'm going to share with you today uh, got birthed in my heart the week before last uh, over a conversation with Mark. We met together to catch up and to have some time together. And uh, Mark was telling me how that... Um, Pat, where's Pat? Oh, she's in kids' work. Pat has... Pat Gray? Uh, that Pat had been sharing with you from the Psalms. And um, when Mark said that to me, I felt uh, God drop a word into my heart for you as a community uh, that was to do with the life of David. It's really interesting because in the last number of months, I felt the Lord say to me, go back into the life of David. And, you know, for you that don't know me, that David is one of my all-time heroes in the scriptures. And uh, God began to speak to my life through the life of David when I was a teenager. And there were things about David's life that inspired me because of his own heart for God. His mus his, he was a musician. He, he loved to worship the Lord. He, he wrote some of the most amazing, heartfelt, devotional uh, things that uh, appear in the, in the scriptures. And um, so when I was a young man, because David was a young man, I identified with him so strongly. I know it may come as a revelation to you, but I'm no longer a young man. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I am a granddad, and uh, we've just been celebrating our sixth grandchild that was born 10 weeks ago today. And the wonderful news is there's a seventh on the way, a German one, that uh, will mean that we've got to fly to Germany more often probably when he comes or she comes along. Um, but the point is that uh, I'm no longer young. And it means that I read David through different lenses. And when you read things through different lenses, you see things that you never saw before. And so, I just want to affirm Stu's prophetic anointing and turn to Psalm 18. So when he said he had read something from Psalm 18, I thought, bam, right on track. And, and Psalm 18 as a heading which is important to read. And so I'd like to read the heading as well as a, a few verses of this psalm. So Psalm 18 is a psalm of David. It says, For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, and he said... Now, let me just stop there and say, the people that I really pay attention to are those that have seen something in their lives in God. They are those people that are taking off their armor, not just putting it on. People who are taking off their armor have a story to tell because they've been through some battles. They've been through some experiences, and God has shown up for them, and David was one of those men. And this didn't take place when he was a youth. This took place when he was a mature.
to a man when he had to face some things, go through some things, and as a man who God showed up for, he then begins to open up before the Lord what are the secrets of his heart, what are the, the things that are really precious to him. And so I'm all ears as he opens up his heart to the Lord from a place of seeing God show up for him. And he says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He goes on to say, and we don't have time to read all this psalm, but he was faced with things that were too powerful for him. He wasn't strong enough. His strength did not come from inside of himself. His strength came from the Lord. And he found God as the person that loved him, so that his love for God was simply reflecting back to God what God had poured in. In another psalm, he said this, Your loving kindness is better than life. And as great as life was for David, the Lord's loving kindness was the source of the life that he lived. It came from above. It got poured into his heart. Loving kindness and strength got poured into his life from God above. And he discovered that the Lord was the person that he would run to, that he was his rock, the one upon whom he founded his life, his immovable place in the midst of changing circumstances. We all need an immovable place in this current era of changing circumstances. We live in a world that is particularly unstable. And unless we find something that does not move, we become shaped by the instability of life around us. The wonderful news is that God says, I am the Lord, I change not. That whatever we are going through, he is the immovable one. So he is the unchanging Jesus and his kingdom is an unshakable kingdom and in the midst of change we get rooted in the unchanging one he becomes our rock the one that doesn't move which is a clue in our lives isn't it when things are shaking it indicates those things are destined to be secured through relationship with jesus wherever anything is shaking it's the next place in my life where god wants to show his unshakable kingdom Because he doesn't want me to be a weather vane that responds to the circumstances around me. He wants me to be somebody that's rooted based upon the identity of who he is and what he wants to be for me. So for David, the Lord was this his rock and he was his fortress. So, you know, a fortress is a, a, a strong 
building, uh, a building of substance that you can run into and be secure in the midst of a crazy world out there. So the Lord was his rock, the one who gives him stability, the fortress, the one that gives him protection. And he is this stronghold or strong tower, as some versions put it. There's other Psalms that David wrote where he talks about um, the Lord overshadowing him with his wings or with his pinions, which are the wings of an eagle. God is an eagle. And David not only lived secured in God, surrounded by God, but also overshadowed by him. His, his image is, is this of little baby eaglet when mama comes back to the nest. Because mama eagle's wings are absolutely enormous to this tiny chick. There are times when things seem so big that God wants to overshadow us with how big his wings are in the light of anything that we're facing. And God wants us to be overshadowed and overwhelmed by who he is for us at any time. And this was David's security. This was David's confidence. It's that God was his rock, his fortress, his deliverer. He was the one that overshadowed him. He was his all wraparound security. And the love that the father had for him was poured into him so that he could experience the very nature of God. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Strength inside, security around. And this man after God's own heart pours out his own heart to the Lord. And it's really interesting that this psalm is the only one that's fully repeated elsewhere in Scripture. So this psalm is fully repeated in 2 Samuel 22. Indicating this is a kind of psalm that God wants us to get a hold on. For God to say it once is enough. For him to say it twice, the whole thing being repeated, it's clearly that God wants to get our attention. And as honoured as David was, the prophet Nathan came to him and said, um, the Lord is going to give you a son. And his kingdom is going to be everlasting. And that son is the one who delighted in the name Son of David. Jesus Christ himself. 
who has a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And as great as David is, and I love him, he is a signpost that points to his ultimate son, who is Jesus Christ himself. <coughs> because how he lived his life brings to fullness what David was sharing right here in Psalm 18. So let's just turn to the end of Jesus' life in John chapter 14. And here Jesus gives his open-hearted response to the people that are around him, his disciples in the upper room, of what has been the key to his life. Just like David did, David's son now does the same. We'll break into John 14. Verse 9, Jesus says to Philip, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but it's the Father abiding in me who does his works. So David's greatest son, Jesus Christ, is explaining to his disciples that the reason why he's done what he's done is because the Father himself is living in him. He is living in the Father. The Father is his strong tower. The Father is the one that overwhelms him, overshadows him. The Father is his secure place. The Father is his rock. And it's the Father that he is in, abiding in, and it's the Father who's abiding in him that's enabling him to do the stuff. Just like it wasn't David's strength that dealt with his enemies, it was God's strength in him. So for Jesus, it wasn't his ability, it wasn't his power that did it. He had emptied himself of the glory that the fa he had with the Father before the beginning of time. He had emptied himself, he became like man. Having become like man, he humbled himself to become the servant of us all. It wasn't what he was accomplishing. It was the Father inside of him was accomplishing in doing his works. He's opening up his heart to his disciples to say, this is, this is what has been going on all along so that actually you're asking to see the Father. He's been working on the inside of me all along. He's been living his life in me and through me. If it had stopped there, we could still worship him for eternity. But it doesn't. Because then he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. He's giving us access 
to the same connection of life that he had, that David discovered 1,000 years before the new covenant of what it means to have God on the inside of him as his strength, to be surrounded and overshadowed and overwhelmed by the experience of God with him. Jesus experienced the same, and then he says, as the Father sent me. How did the Father send him? By living inside of him. How does Jesus send us? By living inside of us. He says, this amazing invitation, which I'm on a journey to still discover what this means, when he says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. Exactly what Jesus had with the Father his is invitation for what we are to have with him. That in the midst of changing circumstances, in the midst of instability, what will Brexit look like for the UK? Hot topic of conversation, producing hundreds of copies of newsprint, Discussions going on all the time. Insecurity happening. What is the answer to the insecurity of our times? Is finding a relationship that is immovable. It's discovering a heart connection with the one who says, I do not change. And so we have this invitation to enter in more deeply in changing times into a relationship of love with the one that does not change. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. So what does it look like for me and for you to abide in Jesus? He would never ask us to do something if it wasn't accessible. He's, this isn't a flight of fancy. This is a reality of life. What does it look like to abide in Jesus? Well, he said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So I'm on a journey to discover what does it mean to be loved more every day. To receive <coughs> love that comes from above, that deals with fear and establishes my heart in heaven's environment. Because one thing about heaven is, it's absolutely filled with love. The one upon the throne is pure love. His radiance streams to everybody in the heavenly places, which means that not only does everybody receive the love that comes through the sun, but everybody is so transformed by that love that everybody loves one another. It is an environment of love. If God's intention is that heaven comes to earth, 
and it is, then it means that there's even more dimensions of heaven's love, of this divine love that he wants me to be assured by and secured in so that my life is filled up with love. He says not only love, but he says, uh, I give you my peace. Yes. I'm on a journey with this word. It's stunning. Because the, the Hebrew word is, as you know, shalom. Shalom means internally, everything connected, in work, in order, and harmonious. I'm not at war on the inside. Body, soul, and spirit, I'm experiencing his shalom. It's wholeness, is fullness, is sense of serenity that comes with lives being ordered on the inside. But shalom isn't just an internal thing, it's also an external thing. So when, when Jewish people meet each other, they say shalom. When they depart from each other, they say shalom, because it means not only wholeness and integrity and fullness on the inside, but on the outside with relationships with one another. And Jesus lived in shalom with his father and in shalom that was so potent on the inside that he could say shalom to the storm and the storm would stop. And, and, and we're learning how potent shalom is. As for nearly three years now, we've been speaking shalom to our neighbors and seeing God do some amazing stuff. You want to share? Can't remember if I've shared this here, but I will anyway because it was a great story. When we moved in um, three years ago, but after a while, there was a, a couple across the road that was renting an apartment from us. And he, obviously, bless him, had some mental health issues, and you could hear him ranting and raving all night at his partner. And he would it was just awful listening to this shouting all night. And this went on for quite a while. And then we had visitors staying with us, at one time and uh, the visitor said you need to call the police this has gone all night and it's going into the morning and it made sense but then all of a sudden I thought hang on no we need to speak peace over this so we just stood in our garden and just started declaring peace and we just said you know strife you have to go this is our street we have adopted this is ours because we live on it and so we're speaking peace to that street and one of the other reasons why I didn't want to call the police is because I thought if ever we got the chance to talk to him I want to be able to minister peace to him I don't want him to think he's my enemy or I'm his enemy because I called the police anyway the peace it just stopped but eventually they left because sheep came to a census and realized 
this man was dangerous to live with because she called the police herself. But what really struck me was that the first thing I needed to do, not call the police, um, was to speak peace. And it, and it happened. And then we had, um, I don't know if many of you know Donna De Silva, who heads up Sozo, but she also came to speak in Leicester on shifting atmospheres. So we took her out for a meal and we had to pass our street to get to the restaurant. So we just said, oh, let's just show you where we live. And we just drove around the little estate we live on. She went, wow. It's so full of peace. Like, yeah, that's because we speak peace to it every morning. So there is something in when you're living in his peace and then you speak it, you can change the atmosphere. And it's amazing because our neighbors, they like us. <laughs> they love being with us. You, know, you think, wow, we're just carrying peace. And when, when we speak, we don't realize that we're actually ministering peace to people as well. Sure. So the Prince of Peace wants to live inside of us and to be resident in us to carry his peace and that out of the fullness of his life to speak peace and impart peace to others around. Again, this is what we're discovering. Peace, like love, is something that people are really seeking these days. Tragically, they're looking in all the wrong places. Because peace and love is found in a person who is perfect love and he is the Prince of Peace. I think it's just fabulous that he so resides in us that we have the capacity to impart him into the environment around us and see that shift. This is the joy of being priests of God, that we impart the blessing that we've received. So this, this stuff of shalom is, is so stunning. We haven't got time to explore it. But I'm, I'm just saying there is something of even more that God is leading us into of what is the reality of him inside and wanting to pour out his life outside of us. And then, of course, not only does he give us his peace and give us his love, but of course he says, I, I'm, I'm leaving my joy with you. And I'm realizing this joy has nothing to do with somebody telling jokes. It's nothing to do with my external world. This joy is the ecstasy of connection with the Lord of life inside of me. That he comes to bring his joy. In the presence of the Lord, what is there? Fullness of joy. Where does Jesus live? Well, he lives in the presence of his Father. So whenever he shows up, he carries an environment of joy. And it's a joy uh, that is so different to the world because it's not dependent on circumstances. It is dependent on a relational connection with the one who is the source of joy so that our circumstances may be not good, but that cannot take away the joy that comes from a everlasting relationship with somebody who is the source of joy. This, this is what God is opening the door to us in our day. He wants us to live in him and him live in us and out of that pour this life out to the world.
And so we're on this journey of discovering more and more what this looks like. So in terms of Jesus and the church, he is the bridegroom. Isn't that right? So what does that make the church? The bride. I am sorry. This is what happens of having a wingspan of an albatross. Thank you. I didn't break it, did I? Just a few batteries loose. As the groom, he is the one that initiates in our relationship. He's the one that is the lover. The bride is the beloved. He takes all the initiative. Our responsibility is to respond to the initiative that he makes. And so we are learning what does it mean to start every day responding to his initiatives instead of initiating the relationship with him. So if he is the lover, like Marge has been just saying to us, even when we're asleep, we still he's still loving us. So here we are, just come back from Scarborough, seeing our newborn grandson, who sleeps a lot. Because he's 10 weeks old. His mum and dad, including his Grammy and Gramps, when he's asleep, still coo over him. Still speak words of love. Still express devotion, he is clueless as to what is going on because he's fast asleep. But love and words of love get communicated to him even when he's sleeping, right? If Jesus is our lover and he is God, so he never slumbers or sleeps, can you imagine what is taking place while you're asleep? It's words of love that are being spoken over you. That's why the dream world is really important to be aware of in the spirit because even when we're asleep, he wants to speak words of love and give expressions of love that speak into the very depth of our being. So, when the little one is asleep, of course, we can't wait for him to wake up because there's smiles if he wakes up in a good mood. And God, in smiling over us, in loving us, it's almost like he can't wait for us to wake up. So what is our first response in waking up? It's simply to receive. Because he is the, he is the lover, he is the initiator of everything that is precious and beautiful in our lives. So what does it look like to wake up in the morning and open up our hearts and say, Jesus, I receive what you're giving me today.
I receive this love. I receive peace that passes understanding and the joy, the ecstasy of connection with you. I receive that. I receive fresh grace from the throne of grace today, empowerment to live the kind of life that you've called me to live, to pour you out to everybody I've seen because you're the God that is more than enough. And whatever I had yesterday, there is fresh manna that's coming from the very presence of God, a fresh outpouring of your spirit on me today. I receive what is fresh today that I might overflow with you. This is God's intention for us that we are immersed in him and in so being so immersed with him we get in pickled by his love and by his peace and by his joy. It's changing us from the inside out so that we get filled up with him so that when we meet people we overflow. We just pour out to them, not because we're trying to be Christians, we're, we're just simply allowing him to live his life in us and through us. And more happens by accident that way than it ever did by design of us trying to be good Christians. Because our focus is no longer on ourselves, it's on receiving from him and then giving back to him and giving out to others what he gives us. Would you share that testimony of what happened in a lift in Dewisburg? I, I want Marge to do it because I want, I don't want to take glory for this myself, but I think this is, is, is an example of what God is doing as we allow ourselves to be pickled by him and to be filled up with him so that we overflow. Actually, I'll give you two testimonies. <clears throat> so, and it's all about, because like Ian says, Ian, when Stu talked about the apostle devoting himself to the word and prayer, he really does. But he also devotes himself to just receiving and just being bathed in his love and his kindness. So um, quite some years ago, we went um, and had a week away in Derbyshire and rented a cottage and the lady who owned the cottage lived on the premises. So we arrived and we knocked on the door and she asked, if we're told, Ian just said, where do I park the car? And she just turned to me and went, he's such a kind man. <laughs> and that's all he said. And, uh, you know, we realized that because we take the time out to just to be bathed in his love and his kindness, you can't help but leak it, as I say. And then recently, I think it was about two or three weeks ago, we were in Germany and... Um, we were in the hotel and we got into the lift and Ian just said to the night watchman um, who was coming on shift and he'd met us the night before very briefly and Ian just said, hi, how are you? Are you okay? And he, he went, are you a pastor? <laughs> so Ian said, why do you ask that? He said, because you were so kind and I just feel it. And he said something about you carrying love. So we said, are you a believer? He went, yeah. He said, um, I was, I'm from Afghanistan and I used to translate for the NATO troops. He said, so I got permission to live in Germany. And he said, I met Jesus in Germany. And, you know, I have this 
he must have a very kind pastor because he assumed that anybody carrying that must be a pastor. And it was just a great testimony. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if everyone just said something like that? Are you a Christian or are you a pastor or what? Whoever has been their experience of love and kindness from God. I just thought it was just absolutely fantastic. I thought, I want people to say that to me. And see, it's not about being a pastor. It's about being a son. Yes. This is my primary identity. I am born from above. I didn't even choose him. He chose me from before the foundation of the earth. He chose me. All I've done is respond to his choice. Guess what? You are exactly the same. You didn't choose him. He chose you, and he overshadowed you with his love, and he poured his grace on your life, and he drew you with cords of love. And even though some of you came kicking and screaming, it's not like you said, oh, yes, Jesus, you're so wonderful. He had to put, you, give you, you gave him a fight, and eventually he got you. I gave him a fight. But now having come to know him, I know that I'm a son, and so are we all, men and women, sons of God, because we get to live in his inheritance. This is now our primary identity. We're born from above, and our incredible honor is we get to be immersed in him and for him to live in us. And the living Christ is in this room because he's in you. And the more we become conscious of the indwelling Christ, us being immersed in him, him filling us, the more I'm aware of him, the more I can release what I'm carrying to the world around me. And sometimes I don't know I'm releasing it. I was had no conscious thinking as I entered that lift, I must release Jesus. I was just into the lift. I'm thinking about going to the fifth floor where our hotel room was and getting to bed. It was late. I'd been speaking at a conference. I just wanted to get to bed. But when he walks into the lift he receives something that was coming out. And it's not because of intentionality on my part. It's just simply the consequence of if I will allow myself to be immersed in him and allow him to live in me, then I get to release him into every situation I face. Because my primary calling is a son and not a pastor, then I'm speaking to fellow sons. I'm saying to you, if you will cultivate, what does it mean to start each day by receiving love? He's been loving you all night long. You simply have to become conscious and aware that this love is now flowing. It's like waking up when the sun is shining, isn't it? It was shining and you weren't aware of it, but... As it comes through the window, you become conscious of what has been shining all along, and it 
hits you and you think, I receive these rays. In the same way, you receive the rays of love. You receive from the Prince of Peace. You receive the joy of connection and you allow it to reshape and reform your inner world. And what changes you can shift the environment around you. So this is my desire for you today. As sons of God, that you live the life of the Son. I can't think of a higher calling. I can't think of a greater privilege. What is Lee's waiting for? The revelation of the sons of God. It's going to be you and me being filled, being immersed, and pouring out his life. Do you have any questions? Okay. So what I want to do right now is just uh, ask us if we would close our eyes, just to focus on Jesus right now. Because I want you to become aware of your calling as sons of God and to be aware of the fact that Jesus says, abide in me and I abide in you. And I want you to be immersed in me and for me to be filling you so that, it o that I overflow out of you to the world around you. And Lord, I just ask that there shall be a deepening amongst this people of their true identity as sons of God. I ask that out of the fullness of who you are, that you would pour into each person so that their inner world becomes increasingly realigned with heaven's realm and environment. Thank you that in your presence there's fullness of joy. Thank you that in your presence there is perfect peace. Thank you in your presence there is abundant love. And in this environment that's on the inside of us, as it pours out of us, we just ask for shifts in atmosphere, changes in the culture around us as heaven impacts earth because of the very wellspring of God inside of us being poured out of us and changing the world around us. So I bless this precious community with even greater measure of abiding, greater increase of carrying you and pouring you out. In Jesus' name. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.